0: super talk mississippi media production find your new ride at Kia macomb's all new location at the corner of i-55 and highway 98 come find out why macomb loves Kia macomb at the corner of i-55 and highway 98 right on the corner right on the price I don't know about you guys, but I am running on fumes this morning. Jeez, that game took forever. But I am up. You guys are up, obviously, since you're watching this, and I'm glad that you are with me. Welcome into the live stream. First of three different things that uh, will be posted reacting to this game. At least I get uh, out of the door first, I suppose. Zach in already. The replay official has paused this live stream to review the previous stream for targeting. (laughs) I'll get to that. I'll get to that because... Oh my gosh, Um, kicking players out of games for doing football things slightly wrong is really just, it's a a travesty. I mean, they've got to change that rule. It is a joke. And then not getting called on the field and having a replay official stop the game to look at it for five minutes in super slow-mo replay where a player just slightly had his head down. Instead of here, it was here, and so we're kicking him out of a game And a play that happens so fast you can't even think. But anyway, we'll get to that later. The the targeting thing was a joke. Uh, I mean, the fact that we still have a rule in place where you can do a typical football thing and get ejected from the game is complete nonsense. We'll get to that. I'm Michael Borky, glad that you guys are with me. Real quick, before we get started, of course, we're talking about old Mrs. win over Louisville last night. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you, uh, this is streaming on YouTube. Find my YouTube page, Michael Borky, on YouTube, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is free, and uh, click that little bell next to the subscribe button as well, so you get notified every time there is a new video or I am live. Also, follow on Twitter and on Facebook. And wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the morning or my name should turn up results and subscribe there. Never miss a second. I know a lot of you uh, don't stay up late or as late as I will be up on Saturday night. This coming Saturday's live stream is going to be at like 1130, considering Ole Miss and State are both the late games on, uh, on Saturday night. Also, next weekend, so not this Saturday, but next weekend, it will probably be a Sunday morning stream instead of Saturday night it will likely be Sunday morning I will be out of town and so it will probably be Sunday morning either way that's getting ahead of it uh JP says good Tuesday morning I saw the time slot of seven to ten on the direct TV banner for ESPN and thought that was mighty ambitious yeah man uh, just the the pauses in the game were insane it was the the rating number is not going to be good for a lot of reasons it was a blowout so that's certainly not going to help but it being I mean after midnight east coast what are they doing i wonder which rules they made an emphasis on this offseason taunting is one of them uh the targeting rule is just flawed in practice and whoever wrote the rule i swear did not play the game and like i didn't play college football either but still like whoever wrote that rule uh did not play the game because it is impossible well i want to get to that later let's save that for later uh it's just really bad but Ole Miss gets a dominating win over Louisville last night. The game was never really in doubt from the jump. Uh, Ole Miss wins 43 24. Louisville was able to score a few times late, a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns in garbage time when Ole Miss had put mostly second stringers in the game. But 43 24 is uh, the final score. And we need to preface everything I'm about to say about this game with the fact that Louisville is not very good. I mean, going into this game, you guys heard me say if Ole Miss is going to be the team, that people think that they are. If this is an eight- or nine-win football team, Louisville should not be that much of a challenge. And if this game is close, it is a red flag. Louisville's not particularly good. They play in the ACC, so they'll probably go to a bowl game and win seven games or whatever because the ACC is just awful, as we learned this weekend. But that's not the best team on Ole Miss's schedule. Hell, it might not even be the best non-conference team on Ole Miss's schedule. There are many SEC teams that will present a tougher challenge to Ole Miss than Louisville. Uh, So that's the preface to everything. However, in terms of defense, I don't care that Louisville's not particularly good. Uh, Madison Central High School would have scored on the Ole Miss defense last year. That was a marked improvement. That Louisville team, Malik Cunningham and that group, would have absolutely lit up last year's Ole Miss defense. You cannot forget what Vanderbilt did to Ole Miss in 2020. Vanderbilt, you know, the team that went winless and fired their coach, and they still are pathetic. Uh, Vanderbilt threw for 320 yards and two touchdowns and ran for another 100 yards and a touchdown and had 24 first downs against Ole Miss last year. This Louisville team is better than last year's Vanderbilt team. So it doesn't matter the opponent. Ole Miss last season averaged giving up 520 yards per game. It was the worst in college football. They averaged giving up 312 yards per game, the second worst in college football. They averaged giving up 27 first downs per game. That is the worst in college football. It does not matter that Louisville is not the best team that they will play. They were significantly better defensively. Regardless of opponent, they have clearly – very clearly improved on that side of the ball. Now, does that mean they're going to go to Tuscaloosa and hold Alabama under 20? Absolutely not. There are still going to be games where Ole Miss gives up points and gives up yards. It's going to happen. But all we were talking about going into the season is improvement. And they have most definitely done that. They are much better defensively than they were a year ago. Again, they still have holes. Defensive line is is going to be an issue on the interior, I think, all season. Uh, they're young in the back end, although pretty talented back there. They're going to give up points and yards eventually. It is going to happen. But they are significantly better. I don't care who the opponent is. Last year's Ole Miss team would have given up 500 yards plus to Louisville. And an athlete like Malik Cunningham only throwing for 191. The vast majority of those coming in garbage time when Ole Miss was in prevent. And playing second stringers and he ran for 87 yards but that's 4.4 per carry I mean the, the kid was running for his life all night Ole Miss kept him contained when it mattered and he didn't really have success throwing the football and that's an accurate passer who threw for a bunch of yards last year uh, it's a massive massive win in a very clear very clear marked improvement on that side of the ball uh, Chance Campbell and, and that's Kirk Herbstreit was in love with Chance Campbell uh, last night, rightfully so. What an upgrade. Now you see why Jacquez Jones transferred to Kentucky. Now now you see why he did that, because he wasn't going to play. Ole Miss has not had a linebacker like Chance Campbell in a long time. Uh, He's instinctual. Uh, His—how fast he read plays was— something that Ole Miss has not had in a very long time. And then on top of being able to read plays, uh, he was athletic enough to go make them, and he's a sure tackler and very disruptive. Ole Miss has not had a linebacker like that in in quite some time. Uh, He was really impressive. Uh, Tariqus Tisdale was really impressive also. Uh, But Chance Campbell, I mean, what a difference it makes when you've got linebackers that play like him uh, on your defense, And, and that's something that'll play every week uh he was disruptive uh, he reads and reacts extremely well he's definitely athletic enough uh, i cannot believe maryland let him go but uh but they did and that was a mistake because he's a real player and Olmus has not had a linebacker like that in a long time in a major 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 upgrade uh with him at uh, at linebacker i was disappointed we didn't get to see much of uh of two Linebackers because they both got ejected from the game. But uh, Mark Robinson got ejected early, which was a bad call, and he should not have been ejected from the game for that hit. And so did Lakia Henry, a little bit more understandable for Henry, but that hit should still not get you kicked out of a game. Uh, both looked good early, and and I was really curious to see Mark Robinson, uh, considering his story, being a, a running back at SEMO, and transferring to Ole Miss, switching positions, and doing it well. He looked really good last night. And um, You kind of saw that they lack a little bit in depth at linebacker. Well, I mean, who wouldn't suffer a little bit when two rotational pieces uh, get ejected from the game early? But uh, Chance Campbell is a difference maker uh, mentally, physically, athleticism. I mean, he was spying Malik Cunningham, one of the better athletes at quarterback that they will see. Not the best quarterback they'll see, but one of the best athletes that they will see. And he was able to do it and do it very well. Uh, he blitzes well, he reads well, he tackles well. It's a hell of a player that Ole Miss was able to pick up in the portal and uh, a dramatic upgrade at that position. Uh, but more importantly than than just an individual player or something like that, um, they played more comfortably. And what I mean by that is it, it was – It was evident that they were flying around. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit kept talking about how these guys are flying to the football and and coming with authority and being physical and stuff like that. They weren't thinking, and that was something I kind of noticed last year. Maybe it was they weren't familiar with the system or something like that, or they've just been coached up really well this offseason. But they were able to fly around and make plays because they weren't thinking. They looked more comfortable with what they were doing. Uh, last year at times they didn't look comfortable, like they were overmatched physically, but also sometimes it looked like they were questioning themselves. Uh, remember the LSU game last year uh, where LSU's best player, Boutte, was left open so, so, so often, where they would break contain on the edges so, so, so often or make bad reads or take bad angles and stuff like that. They weren't just... Overmatched physically, they did things like that poorly. It's just louisville it's just Louisville, but they didn't do any of that last night i didn't I mean, maybe I missed one uh, I didn't see where they they made an egregious mistake in the secondary where a player was left wide open, uncovered. It may have happened. I don't remember when that happened. They rarely broke contain. I mean Malik Cunningham was rarely able to get outside of the pocket and run without being met almost right away. The, the secondary played downhill and confident. they understood their reads, they understood their coverages, they communicated pretty well. that that was more important than having better athletes on the field because they do. I mean Campbell is a much better athlete than what they've had at linebacker. We didn't get to see him much, but Robinson's a better athlete than what they've had at linebacker in, in quite some time. Sam Williams looks much better in uh, his motor looked a little bit better than last year's as well. He was consistently disruptive last night as opposed to a year ago where he would disappear uh, often. They have better athletes in the secondary. Jake Springer, uh, he's just a better athlete. So is uh, Otis Reese, although we did get to see him some a year ago. The secondary is in pretty good shape, but they played comfortably. They played confident. There weren't very many mental mistakes. They were flying around and being physical and – that was more impressive than having better athletes to me. It was the fact that they played, they understood what they were seeing, they understood what they were doing, and that allowed them to fly around and be more physical because there was nothing, no doubt in their mind. And last year it felt like at times they were playing, especially in the LSU game with Butte running wide open all the time. Didn't look like they had much doubt in what they were doing as opposed to last year where many times – they were missing assignments, taking bad angles, stuff like that. I could be wrong. There weren't many times where I saw a blown assignment last night. There weren't many times where Malik Cunningham was able to escape the pocket and not be almost met immediately. He's a hell of an athlete. Like, he's going to get his sometimes. There were times where Ole Miss read it correctly and just Cunningham was a great athlete and was able to beat a guy to the edge or something like that. That's going to happen with a guy like him. It's just going to happen, but uh, not often. And with a guy like him to be contained the way he was until garbage time, basically, uh, that's a huge, huge plus. I don't care who it's against. They didn't do that at any point last year until really the bowl game. And that's like it. Um, First time they've blanked an opponent in the first half since 2016. Think about how many teams they have played since 2016 who are worse than Louisville. Uh, it's, uh, that's big time. And, uh, Chris Partridge and DJ Durkin and that defensive staff deserve a ton of credit for how prepared those guys were to play in that game. And of course, the talent upgrade. You know, they, they hit the portal and were successful in the portal. Um, guys on the defensive line looked, uh, the, the holdovers, if you will, looked better, physically looked better, like in better shape and were, uh, um, able to control the line of scrimmage, especially in the first half, uh, more so than I expected them to be able to do. Uh, depth is still a little bit of an issue on the defensive line, I think, but that three-two-five they were running last night was, uh, was fascinating. I don't know how much they're going to be, or three, two, six, excuse me, not three, two, five, three, two, six. Um, I don't know how often they're going to be able to do that. Like against Alabama, for example, um, Alabama might run them out of that. But that's a look that's going to give a lot of people trouble, especially when they've got guys that are technically safeties that will play closer to the line of scrimmage in that 3-2-6 that are good run defenders and sure tacklers. But that was interesting. That gave Louisville fits because they couldn't really throw the football since three were getting pressure on Cunningham. And when he would escape the pocket, you've got six defensive backs and a sure tackling linebacker there – to contain him. That that was really they did that some last year, that three, two, six. It, it's it's interesting. I mean, you've got to really be good at linebacker, especially if you're going to do that. And I think that some teams are going to be able to run them out of that. But that was fascinating last night. It worked really well. Uh, three down linemen, two linebackers, and six technically defensive backs, although again, uh, they were safeties playing really close to the line of scrimmage. Um uh, Obviously the right decision, and that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. It's more of a, a commonality in modern college football, but you still don't see it that often. You really don't see it that often. So I don't care who the opponent is when you're talking about the defense. Uh, I, I did see some people suggest that once Louisville made some adjustments, they were able to score on Ole Miss in the second half, and that's concerning, and they didn't play a complete game. I, I don't, I, I don't buy that. Again, I think they're going to give up points to some people. They're not perfect. They're not going to be a top 50 defense, I don't think. But they were definitely playing vanilla. Keep them in front of us. We're blowing them out. Let's just not give up a big play and get out of here. Defense in the second half. It was definitely a more conservative called second half for Durkin and company. And they were also mixing up some personnel as well. Chance Campbell wasn't playing all that much. I mean, his playing time definitely went down as the game went on because, of course, it should. You were seeing some different names that, you know, that they mixed up their personnel later in the game because they were able to do that. Uh, th- that was definitely more to me of a contributing factor to Louisville's success in the second half. Ole Miss did look a little tired, and they don't have great depth at defensive tackle. And also two linebackers had been kicked out of the game at that point. Two very important linebackers were kicked out of the game and they were also doing much more vanilla stuff defensively in the second half. It was definitely keep everything in front of us and don't give up a big play and let's have them take five minutes to score if they score and then move on. That's what that looked like to me. Maybe I'm, My eyes are seeing something I wanted them to see. I don't know. But with two linebackers being out in a blowout, definitely mixing up some personnel, that is more of a contributor to Louisville scoring in the fourth quarter to me than Louisville finally figured something out. It was garbage time. It was a blowout. Personnel groupings, basically a prevent defense. That's more of a contributor uh, because they were flat-out dominant, physically dominant. In the first half, and then some in that game. And that's more of where the results lie. Uh, Also, turnovers. They turned the football over, something that they were awful at last year. One of the worst teams in college football a year ago enforcing turnovers. They didn't do it. They did it last night, one of which was kind of an unforced error from Louisville, though. The uh, option that would have given them a first down just dropped the pitch. Uh, But interceptions there, I mean, it was – it was different. Chase, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. The defense certainly made Louisville salt the clock away in the second half. Yeah, that's more of that's more of why Louisville was able to score some. Because I think Ole Ob- didn't let them score. I'm not saying that, but they were more willing to give up yards as long as that clock kept going down. Durkin definitely called a different second half than the first half, I think. Could be wrong, but I think that's what I saw. So that's the defense, 19 minutes on defense, basically, because they deserved it. They needed to be better, or else this year was going to be a disappointment. And they are better. They're still going to give up points and yards to places like Alabama. Ole Miss, if they're going to beat Alabama in a few weeks, they're going to have to score with them, similarly to last year, for the most part. Uh, But they are better, clearly very better. They're better personnel-wise. They're better knowing their assignments and making plays, flying to the football, being physical. They are better. There's no doubt about it. There's no spinning it. Louisville last year would have scored a billion points on that defense, and Ole Miss would have given up a bunch of yards, and Malik Cunningham would still be running from last year. They are better. There's no doubt about it. They are better defensively. How much, we'll see, but they are definitely an improved unit. No doubt about that. Speaking of improvement, I see, I see all your comments, by the way. I'm just going to run through my notes first, and then you know we can, uh, we can talk all morning. Um, Matt Corral, Matt Corral last night without his head coach. And it bears repeating that, uh, Lane Kiffin wasn't on the sidelines for that game. Um, one thing I noticed with Matt Corral in his game is, uh, at points last year, there were a couple of throws that he could have risked last night that he would have a year ago. And he didn't. There's not much in his game that he had to improve. He's got elite level arm talent. We, we know that. Uh, he can make every throw. Reese and Kirk were talking about it last night, and they're right. I mean, there's not a throw on the field that Matt Crowell cannot make. And that's – guys overuse that expression. They really do. Oh, he can make all the throws. Not really. I mean, I heard that in the Wisconsin-Penn State game. That that wasn't true in the Wisconsin-Penn State game. Both guys, Clifford and Mertz, were limited. They can't make every throw on the field. That was just inaccurate. I love Gus Johnson, but that, that's not true. Matt Corral actually can make every throw on the field, but we knew that already. He's also a good athlete. He can beat you with his legs, and he pulled down and ran the football when it wasn't there downfield last night. That was really good and really successful, but it was not forcing it. You could see multiple times last night he could have thrown a football in a tight window. He could have taken a risk downfield, could have. And he wanted to. I mean, you even saw a couple of times like he he was cocked and ready to fire and just couldn't couldn't get there. And he didn't. Last year he would have thrown that ball a couple of times. Last night he did not. Instead, he would check it down. He checked down to Ely, uh, where there's nothing there downfield, or he could have risked it downfield. Instead, he made the right decision, checked it down, didn't get a first down, but he didn't throw an interception. Multiple times last night, he looked for the home run ball, wasn't there went through his progressions, found an open receiver underneath, or pulled it down and ran the football. He made much better decisions last night than he did at a lot of points last season. He didn't risk low percentage deep balls last night. Instead, he went through his progressions, he found open receivers, he pulled it down and ran. He There's like two passes last night where I thought, I mean, it worked, but he kind of forced that into a window that may not have been there. Drummond's catch on the sidelines where he held the football basically by the nose of the football. Like, that was a risky throw. It was an unbelievable throw and an unbelievable catch. But he didn't do that much last night. Really improved. Really improved from decision-making. And he was pretty good at that last year with the exception of a couple of games. But that, if he does that all year, he's a first-round draft pick. Knock on wood, Ole Miss fans. If he does that all year if he doesn't force the football where it doesn't belong, if that, the way he played last night, as comfortable as he was going through his progressions the way he did, if that is Matt Corral all season, he's a first-round pick. That's all he has to do is just play like that for another 11 games, and he's a first-round pick. It's that simple. He let the game come to him, and that's why he was able to throw for 381 yards on 22 of 32 completions But the big number, it's not the touchdown. It's not the uh, 68 rushing yards with another touchdown. It's the zero interceptions. They'll find mistakes that he made last night on film. Of course they will. But he didn't make a catastrophic one. Not one. That's big time. That's big time. And uh, that's why the game was as comfortable as it was, because Matt Corral protected... Uh, the football. He's got elite-level ability. There's no doubt about it. He's got elite-level ability, and um, he proved it last night. And if the mentals come with the ability, look out. And uh, a few more things before I get to your comments. Uh, Wide receivers. Eight different players caught the football last night. Dontario Drummond obviously was the star. Um, He's got that ability. Nine catches, 177 yards. Uh, Mingo looked good in his two receptions. Uh, Physical. I like what he does after the catch. Uh, it, it, he brings the hurt to defensive backs. Uh, so that was good. Ely out of the backfield, they used him the way you kind of expected them. That little wheel route for a first down was nice. Ely out of the backfield caused some confusion to Louisville's defense. That's going to be a killer this season. Uh, Braylon Sanders didn't. I mean, that, Br- Braylon Sanders going into the game was a guy that Lane Kiffin said is a first round pick. And he didn't need to be that. And they still were successful through the air. Uh, Plumley had a couple of catches. Uh, you know, he may just be, he's also battling a hamstring issue, but he may just be behind. I got a text last night. Where's Plumley? He's just not a starter. And that's okay. Also, uh, Snoop Connor. See, that's the thing about this Ole Miss offense is they can beat you in so many different ways. Um, When you've grinded down a defense the way Ole Miss grinded down Louisville, and then you can hand the football to Snoop Connor, it's just pain. That's what it is. It's just pain. I mean, you've got so many different options offensively and so many different ways you can do it. But once you've had that game kind of in control – I talked about this. I did a guest appearance on a podcast recently, and I talked about that. Uh, he brought up how Snoop Connor was fourth on the depth chart. And I said, you know, what's great about Ole Miss and this offense and its personnel is you can use Ely as flexible as he is and Henry Parrish and stuff like that, but once you get late into a football game and you've got arrested Snoop Connor, you can punish defenses. And, I mean, Truck stick aside, you saw that last night. A fresh leg Snoop Connor buried Louisville last night. Only eight carries, but 60 yards. And it's what those eight carries did, how physical they were, and when they came, he's just a weapon. He's just a a weapon that you can keep in your arsenal until you need him later when you've grinded down a defense. And then you bring in this physical punisher who's also got high-level speed. Uh, he's just um that's just what he is, and they've got an embarrassment of riches offensively. Um, that was really nice, uh, a really nice performance without Lane Kiffin. And I thought it was interesting the way they decided to handle that. So they didn't give D.J. Durkin uh, head coach in whatever title last night. He wasn't the one that was coaching, and either was Jeff Levy. They decided to let them just focus on their side of the ball. And the special teams coordinator would be acting head coach and handle You know, dealing with those kind of things, kick the field goal punt, that kind of stuff. It's an interesting decision. I thought they were just going to hand it over to Durkin because he's been a head coach before. But why take somebody out of their role, whose role is so important and integral to executing the game plan and and playing? So that was uh, an interesting decision. I didn't see that coming, but it worked out. And uh, Jeff Lebby made himself some money last night, I think. Either he's getting a fat raise from Ole Miss or one of the group of five teams is finally going to get smart and hire him. Um, He made himself some money last night. It was a really well-called game. What's uh, life without Lane like? Well, you got to see some of it, and it was a very creative and clever called game. Now, of course, Lane still has his influence on the offense. Just because he wasn't there doesn't mean he didn't heavily contribute to the game plan and decisions and stuff like that. But they were really impressive, prepared, prepared, Without Lane. And uh that just goes to show how good his staff is right now, how good Jeff Levy is, how good DJ Durkin is. I mean, they they did all that without their head coach last night. They dominated a team that they should have dominated, but still without their head coach. He wasn't there. He was on Zoom hanging out in his office, going on SVP after the game. I wish he would have live tweeted the game. He didn't do that, but um that's really impressive to do that without your head coach. Um they looked really good. And Ole has a kicker. Ole Miss has a kicker, a guy that can make field goals. That is uh, – wow. It's amazing what a reliable kicker uh, can do. And Ole Miss has one now. Caden Costa was good. He was really good. He uh, made three field goals and all of his extra points. And uh, from 47, that kick he made from 47, he looked comfortable really comfortable and confident, and that would have been good from much, much further out. So there you go. Ole Miss actually has a kicker. It wasn't all good. It was not all good. I thought red zone offense uh, left a little bit to be desired. Uh, And then penalties. Penalties was the biggest issue for Ole Miss last night. I mean, they've got some things offensively and defensively that they have to clean up, of course. And whenever Lane meets with the media again, it'll be on Zoom this week. Um, He'll talk about that. But penalties were just awful last night. And really, that game should have been much worse than it was. Multiple penalties stalled drives for Ole Miss, and multiple penalties kept drives for Louisville alive. See, that's part of the reason why I'm not exactly worried about Louisville scoring in the second half was because multiple scoring drives for Louisville were aided by penalties that kept those drives alive, paired with everything else that I mentioned to you guys. But Ole Miss got to find the exact number I am struggling to find it in the box score um penalties Ole Miss had 14 penalties for 125 yards in the game 14 penalties for 125 yards in the game and they still won by three touchdowns um they've got to clean that up because they gave Louisville free possessions and Louisville capitalized and scored and also they stalled themselves. Uh, that's unacceptable. So it wasn't all perfect for Ole Miss last night. Penalties is an issue, and uh, they weren't great in the red zone. Red zone offense wasn't great. What bad? It wasn't great. Um, the penalties, just just a killer, just an absolute killer for uh, for Ole Miss last night. So that is uh, that's all my notes. So let's actually look at what you guys have to say. Uh, Knight is a bullet flying around out there at five foot seven. Yeah, he is, man. He's not afraid of contact uh, uh, he's like a uh, he's like a Yorkie that actually bites when when my dog and I go running in the neighborhood I'm pushing my son as well uh, when we go running in the neighborhood there's one little dog on the other side of the neighborhood that when it sees us is just furious and he's barking and yelling and carrying on and and just his hackles are up on his back and he's so mad and just he's gonna get us he's gonna get us and then we run in front of his house and he cowers down and like just lays down as we run by uh Tyler knight is a yorkie that will actually like chase the runner down the street and bite his ankles i mean he is he is little he's the smallest guy on the field and he's not scared of anything um, i love the way he plays man i really do he's uh he's tough He's really tough and he took a hit early in the game like the opening kickoff. And then that first possession on defense he goes out there and lays the wood. I mean he's just uh he's just tough. Also JP says yeah the first zone read he stopped talking about Chance Campbell on fourth down was a big play. To string it out is one thing, making the one-on-one play is another definite upgrade. Uh he and Tariqus Tisdale combined for uh, a really great play too. Louisville was inside of their own 5 and Tisdale or inside of their own 10. And Tisdale split a double team and uh, Chance Campbell came in and cleaned it up. Like That was a grown man play from Tisdale and uh, Campbell just reads things so well and he's such a difference maker. I was impressed with Tisdale last night. He's a guy that's been largely inconsistent physically. He looks better. He looks stronger. Uh, I was really impressed with him last night. Do you think this game helped in recruiting, Patrick asked? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Um, Especially when... I mean, they could always sell offense. They could. I mean, you saw what they did a year ago. But what they were having to do to defensive recruits last year is, we need you to step in and play right away because we're so bad on defense. We need you to come in right now. Now, on that side of the ball, they get to point to, hey, we've got a system and it works. You come join something in progress versus sell it. They don't have to sell recruits on an idea after last night. They can sell them on results. Changes the game a little bit. But, yeah, it absolutely helps in recruiting. Uh, Ole Miss under Elaine Kiffin is a fun football team. They're fun to watch. I saw multiple national college football media people say as much last night. They're fun. It's a fun program. They played fun defense last night. They're flying around. It looks like they are having fun when they play. The offense is fun. It's an attractive product right now, and that will be an easy sell to recruits for sure. Brad says, it appears Snoop Connor took the offense at being the fourth string running back. Or took offense. Gosh, I can't read. Took offense at being the fourth string running back. He's just a punisher. He's got that mentality. He's just a punisher. Uh, his quotes after the game were funny. He was just... Uh, somebody asked him about running over that defensive back, and his response was, I'm used to it. That's all he said. i am used to it. He's a punisher. He's a, he's a punisher, and uh, him being fourth on the the depth chart tells you two things. One, don't read too much into depth charts, especially when it comes to old Miss, I doubt they put much effort into them. But also, it, it's just an embarrassment of riches at running back. They had Louisville worn down and then they could give the ball to Snoop Conner and he punished them. That's what that's what his role is in this offense and it's a good role and he's really good at it. Mixing depth up is what you want in these early games, JP says uh ejections or depth issues aside getting as many guys some live reps with bullets firing at them is a big w2 rather louisville than an sec squad no doubt and of course they'll be able to do it this weekend as well i mean it's austin peace so i don't know how much better uh you will actually get but you know th- there, there's a thing there's a thing for them this weekend is they'll get to play a lot of guys uh defensively this weekend and you would hope against Tulane as well, but not the way they played against Oklahoma. They'll have to be ready for that one. Wayne says, uh, good win for the Rebs? Yes, sir, it was. It was um, – I told you guys, I think it was yesterday or or Saturday night, that I- I'm not going to if, – if it's a close game or if Ole Miss wins but they give up a lot of points, I was not going to sit here and tell you that it's a good win. It would not have been. Um, that was pretty good last night. Very little things to complain about, penalties being the most major. Memphis Rebels says, some of the non-targeting penalties from last night probably wouldn't have been called throughout the year. Um, I just can't stand how a replay official can stop the game when it wasn't called on the field. What what people don't understand, well, he lowered his head a little bit. Yeah, the one that, that Robinson got ejected for. That was pretty damn good form tackling. Yes, his head came down just a little bit. But if you've ever tackled a man running at full speed, understand that it's nearly impossible to do this to keep your head straight up when you're bringing contact. When you bring your shoulders down, your head does come down. And it's not like his head was like this. The top of his head did not make contact. It was mostly his forehead. And when he initiated contact, he I mean, he was in great form. His head was down just a little bit. He hit him kind of with his forehead. So when you're coming in, he could still see what he was tackling. His head was not straight down. If you want to call that 15 yards, okay. I'm not in love with it, but if you want to call that 15, that's fine. However, the ball carrier gets to put his head straight down, and that's not a penalty, though. So what are we trying to get out of the game? What is a defender supposed to do when the ball carrier does this right here? What are you supposed to do? It's fine when the running back does it, but it's not fine when a linebacker just slightly – just slightly has his head a little bit down but was in good form otherwise and you're going to kick him out of the game for that in real time it wasn't called because that's a typical football play it was a fine tackle it wasn't perfect but it was fine there was no malicious intent he wasn't head hunting his head was barely down just a little bit but you try to tackle a grown man at full speed and not drop your head ever so slightly. It's really hard not to do that. It's really hard. A player getting kicked out of the game for that is really stupid, and it needs to change. It's it's unbelievable how that has not changed. Basketball, in the NFL, has already set a precedent, but basketball has the precedent. Flagrant one, flagrant two. A flagrant one is a foul that is a bad foul, That kid. That's one that they don't want to have in the game, but you know it's not malicious intent. It's just a basketball play that was a hard play that they don't want to happen. So you issue a foul. They get an extra free throw and the ball. Player gets to stay in the game. Flagrant two, intentional, kick him out. Targeting one, targeting two. It's that simple. It's that simple. The play that got Oh, gosh, what's his name? On the corral slide, I'm fine with you getting ejected from the game for that. His head was straight, directly down, and he basically speared the quarterback. I would be fine with that being an ejection. But also, it's really hard as a defender when you're going in to tackle somebody and his body position changes to basically flat. And then how are you supposed to have your body parallel to make the tackle with your head being up? You can't have your body parallel and your head up. You can't do it. It's anatomically impossible. Uh, But that was a joke. Four ejections in the first half is a joke. And they took too long. Getting players kicked out of a game for making a typical football play is unacceptable. The people that wrote the rule, I swear, didn't play. There's no way they played the game because Robinson last night, Getting kicked out of that game for that play is, is a joke. It, that's unacceptable. He should not have been kicked out of the game for that. It's just simply unacceptable. But here we are. Sid says, clean up penalties, but it was the first game. Austin Peay coming up. Good setup. Absolutely. That, that's that's the negative. If you're looking for a negative, that's really the only one that you got is penalties. And they were bad. That game should have been much worse if not for penalties. Um, something that is you're able to clean that up it'd be different if it was they don't have the personnel on the offensive line like the offensive line got beat up you can't just clean that up in one week you can't just get better in a position group in a week you can get penalties corrected you hope during the course of a season Chase says, Corral's ability to slide at the very last second causes defenders to hesitate and allows him to pick up extra yards when he doesn't slide. And I think, uh, not to make a joke about a white guy being sneaky fast, but I think that there's an element of defenses don't expect him to be as fast as he is. And uh, he kind of like, creeps up on them faster than expected, so they don't commit to a play until it's too late. Um, him getting involved in the running game like that will really open up that offense even more. When it's not open downfield, instead of forcing the football, he pulled it down and ran. That's going to open up the downfield passing. Because now defenders are going to have to account for him pulling it down and running. They might you know, lose themselves watching Corral. Their eyes are going to be in the wrong place or something like that. And that could really open up the offense. Memphis Rebels says, I'm fine with the yardage. It's the ejections that they need to remove. Strong agree. Strong agree. Like, if you want to give 15 to Robinson, I don't like it because he's making a football play. But if you're going to do that, fine. Uh, whatever. I won't argue with that too much. Kicking him out of the game for a regular football play is a joke. Um, it's not that I don't like the 15. It's It's just that I don't like the ejection. I'm fine with 15 being the, the number. It's got to be penal. It's got to be. You want these kind of hits to be out of the game. You want players to get lower. It's fine. Um. It's fine. Also, we're like, if it's going to be defenseless player, that's what it should be. If it's a running back who's also dropping his head and, and their helmets touch each other, then that shouldn't be targeting at all unless you're going to tell ball carriers to keep their heads up as well. Uh, It's the ejections that bother me. It's not the yard total. It's the fact that kids are getting kicked out of the game. JP says, yeah, the stopping the game from above for targeting was a new one for me Saturday night in Mobile. I can get on board with the targeting variation penalty. Yeah, and I've often thought that If you have to slow something down to super-duper slow-mo replay to determine whether or not it was targeting, then it's not. If you watch the Robinson hit in real time, it's not targeting. It's a football play. It's a great football play, by the way. That guy loves to hit. It was a great play. But when you slow it down to super-duper slow-mo replay, you see that his forehead comes down just a little bit when they make contact. Just a little bit. It was not crown. It was right before he's about to make contact. He protects himself a little bit because it's really hard not to do that when you're tackling a grown man just a little bit, and he makes a good form tackle. But in super slow-mo replay, when you slow it down frame by frame by frame, targeting, get him out of here. That's unacceptable. That, that's unacceptable. Uh, if we're going to kick people out for targeting, I think most replays should be done in real time only. I get out-of-bounds plays and stuff like that, I guess. But stuff like that, if it didn't look like targeting in real time, if you watch a replay in full speed and it doesn't look like targeting, it's not. It's not. You can find anything you want to find when you slow something down frame by frame by frame by frame. You can find whatever you want. You can find targeting on every play you can find holding on every play if you slow everything down. I don't like it. I don't like it and they need to fix it immediately. It's a joke. And it makes it turns people off. I mean, I saw a lot of NFL media were watching the game last night. NFL people don't watch college football. Once NFL season begins, they're not watching it. Not much. They really don't. Um you got a free shot at a standalone game last night just like Sunday night where all football fans are Wanting to tune in. And I saw NFL media thinking, this is saying, this is unwatchable. I can't watch this. This sucks. Why are they doing this? It ruins the game. They're exactly right. they got to fix it. They've got to fix it right away. If you can't square a grown man up, you're exactly right. Knees and ankles become targets. Are we really making the game safer? The game is slanted to protect offensive players. Don't think that's changing. A running back can clear the line of scrimmage and do this to a linebacker and that's fine who are we protecting who are we protecting anyway off the soapbox uh, nice win for Ole Miss last night really nice win comfortable win without Lane Kiffin I mean it, it, it you can't overstate how impressive that is that they were that dominant and comfortable without their head coach there um it's a really good sign. It means you've got a really good staff and a, a really good locker room culture and stuff like that. Um, they've got some things to improve, especially penalties. But for a week one game without their head coach, it's a very, very nice win for Ole Miss. The challenges will become much more difficult as the season progresses. But um, some state fans are saying Louisiana Tech would beat Louisville. uh, mm, mm. uh maybe. But we almost dominated Louisville, though. John says, I love Corral's competitive nature and the way he finished runs last night. But if he continues, we will find out how good our backup quarterback is. Uh, Yeah, I have a feeling Kiffin is going to look at some of the film and say, Matt, don't do that again. Like, the team knows that you're a competitor. All right, man? Don't do that again. (laughs) Not in the fourth freaking quarter. Like, don't try to run people over in the fourth quarter, kid. Come on, man. Come on, man. Anyway, so nice win last night. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, by the way. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you like what you hear, actually like the video. That would help me a ton. But subscribe and uh, and tell your friends. I would appreciate that very much. Y'all have a great day. I've got a podcast to do later talking about this game and then a radio show to do later talking about this game. We're cover it from every angle we can possibly cover it from because that's what we do. It's football season. No more USA soccer talk, although we've got an important game. tomorrow, So maybe I'll talk about that Uh, Thursday. You guys won't show Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I appreciate you guys very much, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.